Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by the incessant wheezing of a grumble of pigs. Instead, it's supported by the generous donations of our listeners on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinking sideways to learn more. And thanks. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. Where Steve interrupts. Where Steve interrupts constantly, every day. Sorry. Um, I'm Devin, joined by Steve and... The interrupter. Joe. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's going to be a long episode. Um, uh, it's not actually going to be that long of an episode. That's going to be pretty short. It just is going to if Steve keeps interrupting. What? Yeah. Mm. Today, we're going to talk what about... What are we talking about? Huh. It reminds me of a joke. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Sorry. Today, we're going to talk about the... It's just because you had a candy bar earlier, and I couldn't help but interrupt mm. because of that. But you know what? I should let you go ahead and talk about this story, because this one's a fun one. Oh, it is. No, it's a very good one. It's highly dramatic. Lots of death and destruction. Cyborgs from the future? Uh, but I really need no? it. Knock, knock. This week, we're going to talk about <laughs> the disappearance of Benjamin Bathurst. This was a suggestion by Ash. Hey, Ash. England. We're working through those suggestions. Ash, Ash I hope you're still listening. <laughs> I think he is. I think well, he emailed us last time. Did he? Pretty sure. Okay. Maybe not. Well, Ash, when you hear this, come on, send us an email. Yeah, Let us know you're man. still alive. So um, the quick overview for this story, 
is uh, that a minor British diplomat named Benjamin Bathurst vanished almost literally into thin air while traveling under an assumed name with intendant in 1809. In Germany. In Germany. While fleeing Austria. Cool? Vienna? Yeah. He's fleeing from Vienna. Yeah. 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 Which is in Austria. Yeah. It is. Part. Part of the... Part of, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's start with uh, Benjamin. Yeah. Quickly, quickly. Great. Benjamin was born on March 18th, 1784 in London. So he was British. And he was 25 when he disappeared. He Pretty young, actually, to be a diplomat. He was actually very young to be a diplomat. Yeah, it's a little weird. He, I think he was like 17 or 18 when he became a diplomat. Um, he was part of the Bathurst family. Surprise! Yeah. Um, his father was the Right Reverend Henry Bathurst, and he was the Bishop of Norwich. That's pretty cool lineage. No? You guys are impressed? Uh, okay, never no, mind. I am. He was the third son in his family, so he had two older brothers. And then he had a sister, and I don't actually know. I think she was younger. I was going to say, I, I thought the sister was younger, but I, I never so. actually just, paid attention enough. Well, I don't think that I've ever seen it anywhere written. Um, oh, well, that how makes old me feel better then. But I just know from stuff that we know from... Like what? 50 years later, she was still kind of looking for her brother. And that's and I... Trifina, right? No, that's Felita. Oh, Felita. Felita okay. Call, I think is her. Oh, I thought, no, I thought that that was his wife. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Am I getting the two mixed up? Because, she... okay, it's the sister that had the awesome last name? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I got him totally backwards then. You did. So, yeah, he was married to a woman named uh, Felita Call. Sorry for the spoiler. Gosh, geez. And I don't think that they had kids. No, I don't as think so. As far as I know, he became a diplomat, quote unquote, at an early age, but it was definitely before he was 21. And then he married in 1805 when he was 21. He was had already been a diplomat for a couple years at that point. So really at a really young age. I've heard him as described, described as very talented and really smart and just Sounds overall... Like. Like, actually qualified to be a diplomat, not just he had I was, a good family. I was going to say that, that there's two kinds of diplomats at this time. There is the, uh, you have inherited this job, no matter how terrible you are at it, or you actually have a talent. Yeah. And yeah. So, Usually third sons don't inherit dip, diplomacies, di- diplomatic mm, charges. Dipl- diplomatic posts. But, diplomatic posts. Well, he wasn't exactly a diplomat. He was more kind of like an envoy. Well, that's true. Yeah. I guess. But still, but the thing is about diplomats at that time is that they're if you do reading of historical stuff, they would have the ability to solve problems, so grievances Mm -hmm. of their monarch. Yeah. They would go in and they could agree to the terms on behalf of their monarch. Now, they still had to obviously. go home and, and get the monarch to buy into it. Mm-hmm. That would be months but later. It, but yeah, right, I but mean, obviously they had to be able to do that because he didn't have a phone. You know, right. But yeah, I was going to say, it's not yeah. like today where it's like, let me call the boss and double yeah. check that he's okay with it. They could, they had the, the power. So to entrust it to a guy that young, mm-hmm. he yeah. had to know what he was doing and have some skill. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So in 1809, Benjamin was sent to Vienna. And as a reminder, 1809 is like in the very middle years of the Napoleonic War. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was um, when the fifth... Wars. Col- not, not Napoleonic War. Napoleonic Wars. Because he was uh, making war everywhere. Everywhere. That's he was, true. He was a talented guy, too. Yeah, he was a talented little guy. Um, <laughs> so this was right when the fifth coalition formed in that year. And... This, of course, meant, I'm saying of course meant, like everybody knows this, but this meant that an English diplomat like Bathurst needed to get out of Vienna and pretty quick. So for people who don't know what the the Fifth Coalition is, mm-hmm. 
That was between Britain and Austria. And Austria, because France is trying to take over all of Europe, and they are warring everywhere, and the Brits would not back down. England wasn't going to back down, and they were making allies with anybody that they had, and the name the Fifth Coalition should lead you to to recognize that there had been a first, a second, a third, and a fourth coalition prior to this coalition. So they were bringing on allies to stand against Napoleon mm-hmm. on a pretty regular basis. Now, the, the Fifth Coalition, I think, what did it last? Three or four years? That's not very not long. Not very long. Yeah, it was very short-lived. But it, and I No, believe... it wasn't even years. It was from April 10th to October 14th, 1908. The Fifth Coalition? 1908 I some... or 1809? I'm sorry, 1809. Okay. Okay, because I swore it was one that had gone on for longer, but there were prior ones that You're managed to stand for years. But So everybody that wasn't French was standing up against the French. Oh, I'm to. sorry. The dates I just gave you, that was the War of the Fifth Coalition. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's, that makes me feel better. Sorry. Regardless, though, the, the Fifth Coalition, they had a couple of years under their belt before Napoleon literally squashed the whole thing. Yeah. But this is, and I, there, this is one of those times where it's just war upon war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Although this was uh... the beginning of the downhill slide for Napoleon. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, eventually, of course, he he was sent off to exile, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually he came back and said, "Hello, remember me?" and uh, <laughs> started all over again. We'll talk about that later on the mystery of Napoleon. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about, about that. A, there is some mystery there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, in mid November of eighteen oh nine, is when Bathurst decided he really needed to get out of there, out of Vienna. Yeah, he. Um... That's because uh, Austria had flicked it in, right? They surrendered to Napoleon, correct? Yeah, actually, um, I I know that Steve did a lot of research on this. I did a lot of research on this, but um, I bet Steve's notes are a little better than mine. So let's have like Uncle Steve's story time <laughs> about a little bit of the stuff that was happening around the Napoleonic Wars in Vienna at the time. Okay, because I, I didn't. Well, you know, this is this is one of those things where I I always rely on Joe to go super crazy on the military campaigns, uh-huh. and then I ended up mm. falling down the rabbit hole. Um, stuff, you know? it, I, uh, it really is. It's kind of it's, interesting. it's strange because what happens is the Fifth Coalition is going on and Napoleon gets wind of it and he's none too happy and he brings his army to Vienna. At this point, he uh, he occupies Vienna. This is in May of 1809. He occupies Vienna and he basically, he thinks he's put down any resistance, yada, 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 and everything's hunky-dory. And then he's got some, obviously got a bunch of other campaigns going on. So he, he leaves Vienna and a large portion of his troop force leaves. Well, it turns out the Fifth Coalition, this is when they're stirring up all this trouble and they, they make trouble. I, I guess that's the best way to put it. They make trouble. At this point, Napoleon realizes that he has to truly come back and he truly has to put down Smack what is going hard, on right? in yeah. Vienna. Yeah. And uh, I believe that it is, it's pronounced the Battle of Wagram. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds just, right. Okay. And that took place between the 5th and the 6th of July of 1809. And it's a weird battle because it literally took two days. Napoleon shows up. He fords his army across the river in the middle of the night, thinking he's got the upper hand. But this is when... Um, guns are really becoming prevalent and cannons and there are, there are casualties 
somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 70,000 men total between uh, each side combined mm-hmm. but Napo- but Napoleon ends up getting the win not clearly but he gets the win a bunch of the generals that are fighting against him on the uh, Austrian side flee they chase some of them get killed some of them get captured but it's a really weird battle in the fact that it took such a short amount of time and even stranger is that go figure as a dictator napoleon lied about the whole thing to the french people in other words he told them that he had lost yeah maybe two thousand men Mm-hmm. maybe 2,500 men, but they, the, the enemy had suffered massive casualties. I'm not surprised. That's, you know, and how, how are the French people going to find out? Well, they're not, yeah. Yeah. except that, oh, well, my husband didn't come home. Well, he was one of the 2,000, mm-hmm. or he died yeah. in another campaign. But that's why I said earlier it was the beginning of the downhill slide for him, because he wasn't getting these crazy, decisive wins like he had in his early campaign. Yeah, he lost a little momentum there. But that's that's obviously wow. that's the problem you were talking about with Bathurst initially is that he's got to get out of town. Yeah, so because Napoleon's coming to town and nobody likes Napoleon. The well, Wall that, of War. I mean, Napoleon didn't like the Brits. No. Yeah. The War of the Fifth Coalition ended um, on October fourteenth of um, eighteen oh nine, and that's when Austria ceded to Napoleon, basically. And and the there was a little bit of a scuffle until early November nineteen. I'm sorry, eighteen oh nine, when finally the um, French Bavarian army really defeated Austria in the Peninsular War. One other bit of kind of geographical history that I think that we need to talk about this and I'll keep this really brief for this story is that the northwest portion of that area was known as the Federation of the Rhine Mm -hmm. and it was composed of like 19 kind of city states which had all put their fealty towards Napoleon because they had already lost to him previously. Are you talking about the northern parts of Austria? I'm talking about from Vienna north. There's a, a band just to the west of Vienna. There's a band if you look at on the the 1809 maps, and they just put it this weird little grouping. But it is made up of all these individual areas that were run by um, like barons or whatever. They were barons yeah, and princes yeah. who were who under Napoleon went ahead and consolidated power in these small areas. But officially, they were loyal to Napoleon. So this is something to keep in mind because this is the area that our dear little Mr. Bathurst mm-hmm. is going to be treading through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, Bathurst decides again in like early, mid-November that, okay, it's time to get on out of here. And remember, again, this is, you know, 1809. We're not talking like hop on a train and hop on a... Well, I mean, you could have hopped on a train, but we're not talking like hop in your own car because guess what? You're a British diplomat. It's hard to get on a train safely. Well, there weren't that many of them either. No, definitely not. 
um, unless you're a soldier, in which case maybe yeah. there were some more. But anyway, he had a German courier or attendant, depending on like what you believe slash read, how this person is described. I'm going to say attendant. His name was Herr Kraus. I, Mr. Kraus. Mr. Kraus. Yeah. Yeah. They decided, rightly so probably, to move under assumed aliases because, um, duh. Uh, so benjamin bathurst went by baron de de coke baron de coke went by baron de coke and um her hair kraus went by fisher benjamin made no contact with the british consul when he was traveling there this guy's name was galloway mills um when he arrived in berlin he because he did arrive in berlin from austria to berlin germany um now he was heading north to catch a boat to head to England, right? Maybe. Presumably. Um, some of the accounts that you'll read say that he was headed to the Baltic Sea. Mm-hmm. Some of the accounts you'll see said, no, he was going to go to, he was going to go south after a while. And some of the accounts you read say like, we don't know where he was going. He was doing a crazy overland just journey. Going, just, he was just going to go overland the entire time, all the way up to England. Okay. Mean, he was actually originally considering going south to the Mediterranean, yeah. which in, in hindsight, he probably should have done. Would have been a good idea. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. how many times have we said that on this show? Mm-hmm. In hindsight, yeah. if they'd oh, only yeah. gone the other way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, so... So Benjamin hits Berlin, but he doesn't go to see the British consul there, which probably would have been a good idea. That is very unusual. Yeah. I mean, you guys know, I hope our listeners understand how diplomacy works, but um, you would want to check in with the consuls if you're a diplomat, Mm -hmm. especially if you were fleeing, unless you really didn't trust them. Or maybe he just was passing on through and didn't have time. Well, okay. So he wasn't, as it turns out, because he did deliver two letters. So he had time to deliver the letters. But he didn't have time to even stop and drop a letter to the consul there and say, like, hey, passing through, super in danger, bye. I've also read that, you know, if he's doing, if he's not going to drop by the consul, his, I would presume his plan is to stay under his, to to stay in cover. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To not break cover. And yet some of the reading that I've done made it clear that it was pretty obvious that everybody knew that he was in town. It wasn't as if it was a secret, which is, you know, that's counter to trying to stay in your role of being in your cover. If you're then be like, hey, it's me, Benjamin. Hey, here's your letter. I got to go. I'm going to be staying at the inn over here. And you'll know me because I got this fancy pin in my hat. Bye. I got to say, he did not practice great trade. Craft. No, I mean, he, uh, he really didn't. He, he changed his name and nothing else, and he wore very distinctive clothes mm-hmm. and, and drove a, a distinctive carriage. Mm-hmm. He would have been wise yep. to perhaps adopt a better disguise than just changing his name. I agree. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about that whole situation yeah. in a minute. But so, yeah, he did stop in Berlin. He delivered two letters to two separate gentlemen, but again, didn't stop at the consul. He also um, changed horses in Berlin and hung out for a while. And this is the first time you see a date enter this story. So we have to make assumptions up until this point. But it is known, I guess, that he left Berlin on November 15th. So that gives him 10 days to get to the next stop. Which is strange because Perleberg, where he disappeared, is only 100 miles northwest of Berlin. Strange it would take him 10 days to get there. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. My number is um, based out of Vienna, and I was like, no, it's 500 yeah, miles. Yeah, 500 away. miles from Vienna. No, it's 500 miles from Vienna and not from Berlin. Well, um, he might have made some other stops on the way. He probably he must have, did. Really. I mean, he must have. He had to have. And what kind of vehicle was he using for yeah, travel? He was um, he was traveling by a, a Shay, or, you know, it's spelled like Chase. It's a two-horse carriage, right? It can be two. It could be one-horse okay. carriage, but they're real little. I mean, they're the open front ones. It's not an enclosed... And it's got, like, just two wheels and not four, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes they have three, but I don't... I think the three ones that you see are actually, like, driven a little bit. Is it... it would it would it be kind of similar to, like, a rickshaw? Similar. Except, Except with a horse instead yeah. of a dude? Yeah, and a little bigger. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's not like luxury travel. Although in the book that his sister, Tryptinia Thistle... Thwaite? Thwaite. Thwaite? Oh, I love that Thist- name. Trips... Tryptinia Thistlethwaite. I'm going to go with Tryptinia Thistlethwaite. Uh, Joe gets it that's every it. time. This looks like a, the, the kind of name you would see in a P.G. Woodhouse story. Or a Harry, or Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. I was going to say, this is my Harry Potter name. <laughs> I like Tryptinia... But how, do you, how are you saying it? Uh, I'm thinking Trifina. Trifina. Or Trifina. <laughs> Trifina. There's yeah. a lot of different ways. Or Typhoid Mary. Oh, wait. No, no that's right. No, right. No. Um, okay, so she is, um, she's Benjamin's sister. Right. And she wrote a book called The Memoirs and Correspondence of Dr. H. Bathurst. And she said that he was traveling with his entire suite. And I don't know what that means necessarily. I well, think... A suite is like a bunch of rooms. So that sounds like a lot of work for the That's horse. That's a lot of baggage. <laughs> yeah. No, there's another definition, which is like much yeah, more Yeah, like an care. entourage. Yeah, an entourage. Yeah. Um, and it does sound like he was definitely traveling with more than the one attendant. But Herr Kraus was his main attendant when so, he was in Austria and Germany. So I, I this this is something that I, I, I'm glad that you did more research on the, the vehicle than I did, because if I'm understanding this, this is a seat with a set of wheels under it. It is not a full enclosure. Would that be correct? Yeah, it's um, probably more like two seats, but yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. my reason for that is the descriptions of his disappearance. I want this to be yeah. understood. Yeah. I would encourage people to look up a, sh- it's like Shay's like a Shay lounge. So it's C H A I S E. You can look it up and you will immediately go, Oh, that thing. You know, in, in my, uh, my high class family, we call it a chase lounge. Okay. Close um, enough. I am from the woods. I know you are. Anyway, um, Benjamin was dressed in gray trousers on the day of his disappearance. Well, this was his traveling gear. Mm -hmm. So it was the entire time he was basically wearing this. He was dressed in gray trousers, a gray frogged short coat. You know what frogs are? What is frog? Okay, frogs are... (laughs) This is where my degree comes in handy. Um, (laughs) Two times a year. Two times a year. So you know when you see the like really ornate embroidery on either side, and then you've got the thing that's just a ball that goes through a loop? Oh, yeah. So you're, you're, wait, okay. Oh, okay. For everybody who's not in the studio, Devin is pointing at where the the lapels of a jacket well, would be coming any, together. It's, it it's on be, your it's on your sternum. It's instead of buttons. It doesn't have to be up here. Oh, it can okay. be all the way down. Okay. I that was just a convenient place for me to be my in front of the microphone. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then so it's the little ball that goes through a loop. It's not a button. Yeah. Um, it's all fabric or um, embroidery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you okay. guys know what those are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sort of. Uh huh. I'm wearing one right now. Yeah. And a short coat is. Um... It's a short coat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's kind of like a like a fur lined capelet that has sleeves. 
Is is this kind of like the, the 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 short '80s jean jacket that has currently come back into fashion? No, yeah. you know the yeah, like the John, just above the, the midriff and all that stuff. It's yeah. like yeah. if you take that length but make it a cloak with sleeves. Yes. Okay, so I was right. Kind I of. knew I knew uh, fashion. Okay. Okay. We'll just go ahead and agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> um, anyway, so he wore his gray frogged short coat. Over a sable fur great coat oh, no, lined he, with. He wrote it over which he wore. I'm sorry. Yeah. Over which he wore. That's how I wrote it. You're yeah. welcome. Over which he wore a sable fur great coat, which was lined with a violet velvet and a matching sable hat. A pretty spendy wardrobe there. Yes. He also had a scarf and a very valuable diamond pin that, like, you know, pinned the scarf. Probably he was wearing it kind of like um, a jabot, which is like when you, you know, like tie. I'm sorry. I'm like trying, You're trying to, not to hit the microphone. I'm trying to mime it while, while staying in. It's all it's, rumpled you around like the a neck. scarf and wrapped around and then you put a pin right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. You yeah. guys know this guy, yeah. right? I mean, you've seen paintings of this guy. Of course. Right? Oh, yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. And he, obviously a wealthy guy. And yeah. He, he liked to show it up. And not really hiding it while <laughs> traveling through like rural Hostile Enemy territory. territory. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, not wise. Yes, yeah. me. All right, so, okay, so, what, so what is our boy doing? Okay, so he arrives in Pearlburg, um, Germany, on November 25th of 1809. Yeah, 1809. 1809. I'm sorry. Um, it was kind of in the like midday, is my understanding of when he arrived. And he spent the afternoon writing letters and then burning those letters. Well, burning some letters. Some letters, not all of them, some of them. And then he went to a local coffee house where he contacted one Captain Klitzing, uh, who was the commander of a squadron of, like, crusade. (laughs) (sighs) Basically, Basically, like, friendly soldiers in that town, um, friendly to his English plight. And basically, he said he was a merchant and he didn't think he was safe. So could um, could the captain please provide him with a couple of soldiers to guard him? And the captain probably saying like, crap, yeah, this is a really boring place. You can have a couple soldiers. No problem. He was also super agitated. He, according Bathurst to the was, Bathurst, yeah. yeah, according to yeah. The, the accountings, Bathurst was making all of the gestures of a guy who was wigging out. Yeah, he apparently couldn't even hold a cup of coffee to his lips without trembling. He was really freaked out. That's what happens with me in the 98th cup. But... Right. Mm. So the, the captain says, okay, yeah, you can have a couple guards. We're not really doing that much right now anyway. So here you go. Um, so Bathurst goes back to the inn, which was called the White Swan that he was staying at. Um, and where his horse and carriage were stabled, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that he, that's where he'd been writing letters as well, was that inn. Um, he goes back with his two guards. Um, he slept fitfully on a table for a couple hours in mm. like the middle of the afternoon, which is what happens when you have a bunch of coffee, right? Yeah, because his, <laughs> his plan was to like travel at night to avoid mm-hmm. attention, right? Well, it became his plan. When he originally arrived in town, he had asked one of the locals if they could switch out horses, which I guess is like a thing that you can it do. It totally is a you thing. There's posts. There's posts. Posts for horses. Right, you're, you're doing a one-to-one exchange for fresh horses. And he had said, we're going to leave tomorrow morning. We're going to stay the night. We're going to leave tomorrow morning. Can you have the horses ready for that time? And um, the what the, it's called an ulster. What the ulster said was, of course, no problem. When he woke up from his fitful sleep around 7, Bathurst actually said, you know what? No, it's going to be safer for us to travel at night. So actually, can you have those horses ready by like 9? And the ulster said, okay, dude. 
Uh, that's Ostler, correct? Oh, yeah. Not Ulster. Ostler. <laughs> I like Ulster better, but it's you're right. It's Ostler. I'm okay. sorry, you guys. Also spelled, He's a stable hand. Yeah. yeah. Stable hand. Stable basically. hand. Also spelled with an H or without an H. Yeah. Because it's got the French pronunciation where the, the H is silent. With so. the H in yeah. hand? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So the guy who's in charge of the horses um, says, yeah, okay, we can get those horses ready for you by nine. No problem. Jerk. I got nothing else to do. <laughs> so at seven, when he woke up from his fitful sleep, Bathurst, Benjamin, Benjamin Bathurst. I just realized I've been calling him Benjamin this entire time. Now I'm switching to Bathurst. Sorry. You're getting a little too familiar there. Yeah. Sorry. Mr. Bathurst. Um, That's better. Dismisses his guards. Uh, so at seven, he dismisses his guards. And um, then he goes outside to oversee the reloading of his things onto the carriage, which is just like on the back of the carriage. Again, a very, not a very high enclosed vehicle. Yeah. So he goes out. He steps around the horses, like onto the other side of where the horses are. Yeah, I heard the story as he and he and, he and Herr Krauss basically headed out to, to like hop aboard, and he like basically headed around the front of the horses, mm-hmm. basically as if he was going to climb into the driver's seat if you were an American mm-hmm. on the left hand side driving the car. And then you have heard that account. That account is that, inaccurate. That's not the uh, the only account that's, that I've ever heard. That's right. one of the accounts. But that I've that's heard. not as far as I can tell. That's not actually what happened. Yeah. But um, we can yeah we can do the fantasy. There are there are new, other, other accounts say that he left to go check out the horses several Krauss, minutes ahead yeah. of time so why don't we back, just you know, let's but... just tell the fantasy version real yeah, quick the, here the one that you hear the most often yeah yeah so the fantasy version is that um kraus and bathurst go out and then uh so bathurst goes around the front of the horses to mm-hmm. get in the driver's seat and um just disappears into thin hair so basically he disappears behind the horse and then never and then reappears. Never, reappears. never reappeared at uh-huh. the door of the carriage yeah or, yeah or the the ladder, or the, or whatever, the, whatever seat. Yeah. seat. Yeah, yeah. The more reputable accounts I've heard of this says that Bathurst went out to check on the horses and to oversee the loading of his things. On a there. little bit before Kraus. Yeah, and Kraus was still inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he, when Bathurst didn't return for an hour, went outside and was like, "Have you guys?" seen that guy <laughs> and everyone was like no he just disappeared well, uh-huh. and and i remember seeing some stuff there was some discussion that kraus had presumed that maybe he had gone to the outhouse or maybe he had gone back in the building and unbeknownst to kraus or maybe he had gone back to see uh who was the guy that assigned the soldiers to him um uh, yeah uh, you mean Captain Klitzig? Yeah, yeah, like maybe he had gone back to see him for some unknown reason. Yeah. So he's just like, you know what? He's my boss. He does this stuff. I'm just going to hang out and wait for him. Is really kind of what... Well, sure, why not? I mean, yeah. he, he had yeah. no idea that he disappeared. Yeah, and that's it. Um, I mean, Bathory's attendants, obviously, as soon as they realized he was missing, went looking for him, but they didn't find anything, and it was also kind of the middle of the night. I mean, you know, November, 9 p.m., um, yeah, yeah, it's not like exactly right now. Like it's going to be light out. dark, dark, dark. Yeah. Like yeah. it is for us right now. Super it dark. is super dark and out. And it's not even nine yet. And it's, yeah, yeah it's yeah. not nine. Yeah. So that's it. That's our story. Kind of. Well, no, there are a few There's other a couple other details A couple here. other details. Uh, so a couple other little details to add here. On December 16th, two old women. Okay. I guess I should back up a little bit. Um, the version that I am choosing to believe is Bathurst was traveling with more than one attendant, I mm-hmm. believe. And not unusual for those which days. Which is definitely not unusual. I think it was him and Krauss in the one 
like Hair carriage cross. thing that mm-hmm. they had, and then there the were vehicle. attendants that were following, on maybe horseback, on foot, maybe, maybe on horseback, yeah. but kind of at a safe distance, so it didn't seem like it was this huge entourage of an important person. But they were all there, and so it is my understanding that Krauss stayed in Pearlsburg, Pearlburg, sorry, to investigate this disappearance and sent the additional attendants on to England to deliver the news of Bathurst's disappearance. And but. You will see often in other versions that Krauss was the only one traveling with him and was the attendant that went on to um, the UK or to London to report his disappearance and then returned to do some more investigation. And I, and I think that's the problem with this story is because this story is 200 years old and it is, it is very um, exaggerated at times. Oh, yeah. A little bit. And it has been exaggerated many times over the decades. Yeah. I think that's part of why we have this differing oh, there are many variations of, of, of who yeah. was there and who yeah. delivered the he's missing yeah. declaration. So I will tell you the reason that I believe that Krauss stayed behind is that Krauss was familiar with Bathurst's family. Mm-hmm. He had been his attendant for a very long time. Um, I think since he had become a diplomat. That's my understanding. That okay. he had kind of been his main attendant. Um, so he was familiar and friendly with the Bathurst family. And um, in Trifina's Trifina's version of this story, she went with her father when they had been, they had been called by a local magistrate to receive this news. So they went to the magistrate house and the magistrate said, an attendant came and told me that, you know, Benjamin Bathurst is missing. And I, it is my sense that had Krauss, this longtime attendant and like good family friend, been the one to deliver the news, he would have been there and she would have mentioned, oh, and you know, Krauss was there. So okay. that's, that's my reasoning behind that. Just that makes so, sense. Just yeah. so that. people yeah, I'll know. I'll run with that. Um, I mean, it's, it's totally possible. It's different. Like you said, it's like 200 years old. So who knows? Anyway, so we're going to go ahead and assume that Krauss stayed and everybody else went. All right. Um, so on December 16th, so three-ish weeks three later, weeks, yeah. two old women bought, brought Krauss a pair of plant pants that they said belonged to um, Bathurst. Well, they, they, they said they found them in the woods while they were gathering firewood. Yeah, yeah. they were later ID'd as uh, his Maybe pants. his as, pants. As, yeah, that's true. They, they weren't They were gray sure. trousers. But, yeah. Well, there was there was there, there was, was a one letter. Th- there was a letter in them. There was a letter. letter, but we can talk about that letter okay. in a second. Um they found them apparently in a stand cops. of trees, a copse of trees. Uh-huh. Um, Cops. Which one? Cops. Cops. Okay. Um just outside of town, they contained nothing but two bullet holes <laughs> and a hand scrawled in pencil note on a scrap of paper to um Benjamin Bathurst's wife. Okay. I am I am not 100% convinced that this was actually from him. Well, and there's no blood. There's no blood, so the bullet holes are likely fake, and I think it's likely that this letter is fake. You know, they say it was scrawled in, you know, like kind of a really haphazard handwriting. I don't believe that this is his. Well, and and I I feel like there's a bit of fanciful addition. Oh yeah. Because the letter says, "I don't trust so and so and I'm going to be betrayed and please don't marry again." Yeah. Uh, and like, we'll talk about the actual contents of this note in okay. theories. Okay. Um because it does feed into one of the theories. Okay. But it is my general sense that pretty much everything, whether these were his pants or not, they may have actually been his pants, but that pretty much everything surrounding his pants was totally falsified. I don't think the note was his. I don't think the bolt holes found were his like name embroidered actually, in the 
Yeah. Well, and the bullet I, holes were real. They just weren't. They, they like weren't, while they, they weren't fired when he was exactly, in the pants. or anyone yeah. was in the pants. And yeah. I, um, and I should note that um, it's very likely that these pants were planted there a couple days before they were found, mm. or maybe even that the old women were, were lying on it. Yeah, were lying about they where murdered they found them, them and they put the the pants out there. Or yeah. they didn't. I mean, they didn't even have to put the pants out there. They could have just brought them and said, "We found these in the woods when we point. were looking for mushrooms." Blah. We're old women. Believe us. Uh-huh, of course. Old ladies are always looking for mushrooms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the woods. Um, yeah. So uh, Bathurst's brother and... Or no, I'm sorry. His wife and her brother traveled to Germany to find out what had happened to Bathurst. There was definitely, uh, at the time, a lot of uh, rumors about this being a French conspiracy to get rid of this diplomat. So they apparently, again, according to the fanciful version, had an audience with Napoleon himself. I did not know However, what you were talking about. much more likely uh, some like random proxy for Napoleon met with them and, of course, just said, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, no. Who? Bath- Bathurst? Bath? Bathurst? No, I don't know who that person no, never is. Never heard of the name. Yeah. Never heard the name. I don't know what that is. No, yeah. a bath? I don't know. Is that some sort of newfangled mm-hmm. way to... To bathe yourself? I don't understand. I know. That that whole description right there, now I cannot get Napoleon from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure out of my head. Right? Oh, that's yeah. right. Because yeah. that is exactly how he behaved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i got to see that movie again. It's been yeah. too long. Oh, yeah. he Everything and... I know about history. <laughs> Perfect. That. Yeah. That's everything I know about the, history. He and Genghis yeah. Khan, right yeah. up there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what is it? Was it? No, so crazy. So crazy. Yeah, yeah, so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're on to theories. Woohoo! Um, so in true Devin fashion, we're doing like there's a couple subheadings of theories. You mean riddled with bullet points? <laughs> yeah. Are they real bullet points or fake? They're real bullet points. Oh, okay. Blood Have you seen the tears yeah. in this paper? Yeah. <laughs> so the first kind of subheading of theories is thief or theft. Theft. Yeah, that depending makes sense. on like if you do spell check or not. <laughs> yeah, he was obviously uh, well worth robbing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think so. So it turns out that um, Bathurst, uh, you know, just even his the way he was dressing, notwithstanding, he may have been like pulling out his really expensive pocket watch and like flaunting it around and kind of flashing his really heavy coin purse around in this tiny and also little kind ex- of. Poverty-ridden town. Yeah, a place that, that was kind of in a war zone. Yeah. There were refugees and bandits, and he's wearing this massively expensive sable coat mm-hmm. with a, his, his diamond pin to his, his, his yeah. I really feel like he was a, a bit naive oh, uh, of the ways yeah. of yeah. the world yeah. because he'd been raised to be a diplomat. He'd been raised to be around the court all the time. To be an he had no idea that people would assign value yeah. to this itty-bitty stone on a pin that I just used to hold my scarf in place. Well, I think... I think likely he did actually know that people would assign value to that, but what he, the value that he thought that people would assign to that was respect, uh, right? That's good because point. if you're a diplomat, that's how you garner respect: is you make an entrance as somebody who should be listened to because they dress in the way that you know garners respect. But and if you're a cut purse, but, it garners a meal. Yeah, but if you're in like rural, war torn Pearlburg, they don't know about diplomatic. That's nice, not like hey, respect. You know? You're like hey, look at that idiot. He has a lot of stuff that I would like to have. Thank you. I'm gonna go and I bet I Nikes. could. I bet I could hit him over the head and just take it all. Oh hell yeah! Right. So I, it's not unlikely that he this was a theft. 
Um, but there's two different ways that this could have gone down. One is uh, it could have been a theft and like a dropping, like left for dead sort of situation, or he it could have been a theft and murder. And let's talk about both theories. Aren't, they, aren't these kind of the same? They're a little the same. One is that one implies he an intention to kill, and the other implies the, the that intention just to it, cost him, but they actually yeah, it's it's him. the the old TV show. I bonk you over the head and take your stuff, and you wake up an hour later and go, mm-hmm. I have a goose egg, and I'm naked. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the f- we're going to talk about the like theft and being dropped theory first. Trifina. This comes from Trif- this comes from Trifina's book. Um, this little it's like a footnote in her book actually, and we'll link to this book. Um, it's on Google Play. It's I think it's probably like a free resource at this point. It's like almost two hundred years old. So royalty free at this point. Yeah, I hope so. No copyrights. And- I don't think you have to buy it to read it. It's all on Google, which is pretty great, actually. I do like that. And um, pro tip, we're going to post the book, but you can like search within the book. Just search for Benjamin, and then you only get the pertinent stuff. Because it's, it's a not long a short book. book. No. It's like all of the correspondence of her father. Anyway, apparently, it's, it's pretty possible that he could have been abducted and you know, taken some of the valuable stuff but left some other stuff and then he was just kind of like in the middle of nowhere and didn't really know where to go. So there's this one account from um, a quote-unquote girl at the time and I'm pretty sure that what girl means is like young woman who works in a house, not like an actual child A.K.A. servant girl. Yeah, but she reported that um, a couple days after Bathurst disappeared, well, I'm sorry, she worked in the house of a consul near the sea, which was a considerable distance, quote unquote, from Pearlberg, mm-hmm. but it was on the sea. I, so I don't think it's like that much. I don't know how. 100 miles or so. Yeah. It's 100, 200 miles ballparkish. Yeah, but not like a thousand miles or right. anything like that. It's uh, about a week's travel. Yeah. So she, on foot. yeah, on foot. Um, and it was, I would say like four or five days later, she reported that a man had come knocking at the door late at night on a rainy night. And she said that she, you know, took her little light, whether it was a candle or like a hurricane lantern or something, um, to answer the door and, um, saw for a brief moment, a man who quote matched Bathurst description. He was wearing a traveling cap and a short fur trimmed coat. Basically she called it a rock here, um, which is like a lined and trimmed coat, which like reaches to the knee. That's got a, like a, what's trimmed with fur with a bright lining. Kind of like that sable coat that our, our protagonist was wearing. Yeah. And, uh, so she answers the door and catches a glimpse of him. And, but of course, since it's a rainy night, the light blows out. Mm-hmm. So she only cla- catches a glimpse of him. It's got to be a little creepy. Yeah. And a guy with um, an English accent asks for the master of the house. And um, she says, well, he's not in right now. Also, it's the middle of the night. So she's probably like, he's asleep, dude. Like, what <laughs> are you doing? But she says, he's not in right now. But I, I'll tell him you called. Right. You were here. If you'll tell me who you are. And he says, never mind that. Oh, oh, oh. but um, he asked to tell he asked her to tell her master that an English gentleman wanted to see him at the post house tomorrow. So her master did actually go like I wouldn't do it, but OK, um, went to the post house and actually asked after the gentleman. And it turned out that he had just been there and he had just left. But apparently a 
an English gentleman had actually been at the post house waiting for him um, in the morning. Mm -hmm. And there's two separate reports of boats who originated from the area where this consul was in charge of wrecked. Yeah, being lost at sea. So there's the theory that Bathurst was this like weird gentleman caller and that he had been trying to get help from the consul but had somehow otherwise booked passage. Yeah, but it couldn't have been him because he's wearing this long fur coat, but... But Bathurst's fur coat was was found back in Pearlburg. Well, like later. Yeah, it was found. <laughs> was but it was found later back in Pearlburg. It was Pearl, or Pearlburg. Right. Yeah. So you're right. This probably but, wasn't him. Probably was not. Well, the but the guy. the credibility for this is that at that time in an Austrian area, there is not a whole lot of Englishmen running around. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is this is French-controlled territory. Well, so Germany. it's not as it's if Germany, though. But it is French-controlled territory. That is what the one of the things the Battle of Wagram did. Oh, you're right. And I'm sorry. The, yeah. um, the the Federation of the Rhine. That is whole area is now is controlled by Napoleon. It's it's. It's French. Yeah, so, so but I guess... So it's it's hostile territory. It's not as if I'm going to be like, I'm going to take a vacation. No, you're not going to do that. No, uh, but it is a time where you probably are going to see a lot of weird English gentlemen showing up at friendly houses saying like, help, in the middle of the night, right? I mean, <laughs> I guess you know, for me, it's I've, it's an easy coincidence. The Well, my my response to that is... A lot of those wars were not sudden or unexpected. In other words, if you are a tradesman traveling in an area and you can tell that the threat is imminent, you don't go, you know what, I'll finish my business and then I'll kind of make my way. No, you get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. Maybe, so maybe. most of those guys would have fleed. And this is, again, this is in December. The Battle of Wagram happened in July. Yeah. That is many, many months later. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's know, fair. Some people like to live dangerously. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. Some are very just blatantly oblivious. Yeah. But... Okay. So let's talk about the theory that it was a theft and a murder, right? That like he just got hit over the head as he was walking past the horses and dragged somewhere else. Yeah. And then suddenly like, ah, you know, the guy who they, you know, gave a couple, the guy who's in charge of the horses, they gave a couple coins to and said like, hey, just say he disappeared. Bye. Uh, um, said, oh, hey, he just disappeared. I have no idea what happened. And then, you know, thus became an unsolved mystery. Uh, there's some really good evidence for this one. On April 15th of 1852, during a demolition of a house in um, on, on Hamburg Road, which was in Pearlburg, um, which was pretty close to the inn, the White Swan, mm -hmm. where um, Bathurst had been staying. There was a skeleton that was discovered under the threshold of the stable area. The back of the skull showed a pretty significant fracture that was obviously like from a blow of a heavy instrument and would have Blunt killed someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, all of the upper teeth of this skull were quote unquote perfect for the time. <laughs> so, well, obviously it wasn't British. Perfect. <laughs> Good point. But the... The lower jaw, um, one of the lower molars showed signs of having been removed um, professionally, so by a dentist. Um, so that's the sort of thing, that's like early dental records, right? 
that's an early sign of being able to say, yeah, my brother, Benjamin Bathurst, had one of his molars removed by a dentist at this time, so it's likely him. There was or, a dentist, not a barber, who used a chisel to knock it out of your head. Right, or like somebody got punched and it broke. Yeah. Usually right. molars don't get broken off from punches. Yeah. yeah, usually it's the front teeth. But, right, yeah. but I mean, you know, like it's. I'm sorry, it's hyperbole. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Accidents happen, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Trifenia was in Pearlsburg for some reason... When this house was being demolished. 50 years later. 50 right, years nice later. Nice little coincidence there. I don't know if it's possible. It's certainly possible that the mystery was so prevalent locally that somebody said, hey, we're demolishing a house. You want to come hang out? <laughs> yeah, probably but it's not also, that. But it's also possible that she just kind of was obsessed with the disappearance of her older brother and kind of hung out in or that area. It's possible, actually, that she wasn't there exactly when, it, after it was discovered, somebody actually notified her and, that and then she, was she came and she down came, and looked yeah. at it. That's, that's probably possible. the more likely. That's I would say I'm that's thinking. way more likely. Yeah, I think so. Anyhow, so she said she didn't think that skeleton was her brother's, although it was, you know, 50 years on, so I don't really know how she would have known that. Well, she said the brow wasn't nearly as high and pronounced, Yeah, but I also, the thing is, when you look at a skull, it doesn't look like the head at which point, if you're not trained to know this. It is extraordinarily hard for laymen to reconstruct yes. mus- yeah, the, the, the muscular features of a face. Yes, the I appear to have a giant different. forehead yeah. because I have no hair, no hair, when in fact I don't actually have that big of a... I'm not a billboard brow. Right. No, you've got kind of a Neanderthal kind of... Thank you. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Yes, you but are, I you don't are think... talking about <laughs> my lineage yeah, yeah. appropriately. To be honest with you, I like realistically, if I saw either of your skulls, I don't think I'd be able to be like, I, no, that's that's not Steve or Joe. No, no definitely yeah. not. Especially 50 years later. You know, it's one thing to say like in, you know, as soon as you've got a skull. Oh, yeah, that's that skull. But it's been 50 years. Yeah, that's why that kind of reconstruction is an art. Yeah, it really is. Um, to make matters worse, this house that was being demolished. Um, the owner of this house was a mason named... I'm sorry, Joe, can you help me with this pronunciation? Oh, Kieservetter. 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 That sounds like an insult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he bought the house in 1834 from a man named um, Christian Mertens, who in turn had inherited the house from his father, who had purchased the house in 1803. So his dad did the deed. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, it turns out Merton Sr., had actually been a servant at dun 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 the white, the white swan. swan in 1809 and in spite of being a servant his entire life and living on servant wages he had been able to um offer dowries of um 150 and 120 pounds respectively well, for he, two of his daughters he didn't offer them he settled them in other words he was in debt for those amounts he gave he gave that amount of money he promised, as dowries. I, I took the settling part of this to mean that he had agreed to a dowry of X amount for his, each of his daughters, which uh, equated to this 270 pound value. And he had, he was making payments and then suddenly was able to pay it off. That's the way oh, I interpreted that could be. this That's... as, as a, he had a debt of this amount and suddenly Interesting. Paid it off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good way to interpret it. Either way, he came into a crap ton of money. Yes. Apparently. Because um, uh, you have to remember, this is like, we're talking 1808, 1809, 1809 money. Yeah. Um, I and I haven't yeah. bothered to do the conversion. 270 but... pounds is decades worth of income. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
It's a ton of money. But let me, I gotta wonder this: if you're the daughter who uh, whose dowry was 120 pounds, <laughs> how, do, how does that make you feel? Well, you're probably the younger daughter. <laughs> oh yeah, less, less value there. Oh no, yeah, that's that, that doesn't no, make true. it sting any less. Oh uh, yeah. No, it's accepted so societal thing that doesn't like, make it sting any less. First daughters are worth more because they could, and I don't know about like German law, but typically, um, if you have no sons. This guy did have a son, but if you have no sons or the son becomes unable to inherit the property, the first daughter will inherit the property. Right. So she's worth more. Ah, okay. And the second daughter might inherit the property if everything really uh, goes wrong. Yeah, unless, unless the second daughter has got other, like, you know, attributes. They don't really. They don't really <laughs> that doesn't factor that in. That doesn't really factor in so much, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Um, But it is. I mean, I think it's like the worth, the value is. This is like so archaic, but I think the value is it's the first daughter is like, quote unquote, worth more than the second daughter. You see that in Shakespeare Please a lot. don't. Please don't send us letters about yeah, yeah. how sexist this is. We totally we know. know. We, we heard. This we is heard. history. Yeah. This None is the way it works. None of us are worked. paying men to take our daughters off our hands no no don't worry but it is pretty extraordinary that in 1809 somebody was suddenly able to be like you know what actually i have 270 pounds right here clear those notes yeah no problem not at all out of the out of the question you know these guys were in a position to observe him and obviously they knew they knew the area really well they could have cost him and taken his stuff yeah and then an additional like nail in the coffin of this one is that um, it's reported that that horse horse watcher guy, the the Ost, Ostler, yeah. uh, he apparently just like abandoned ship um, a couple days after he just Bathurst. Left town. Yeah, he just disappeared a couple days after after Bathurst disappeared. Um, his name was August Augustine Schmidt, and uh, on November twenty seventh, eighteen o nine, Bathurst's valuable fur coat was the discovered coat. hidden in an outhouse that was owned by a family that was named schmidt can i ask a question sure how far away from the white swan was the schmidt property i've never seen it described so i'm asking nothing was very far from anything in this town it was all pretty local okay but Um, but okay so then the other thing to bring up i'm going to talk about something in a second but i also want to bring up the fact that all of the buildings in the area upon Bathurst's disappearance were scoured by the local authorities. So they had Apparently. been in, presumably, as much as they wanted to be, they had scoured the interior of said outhouse. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to, like, overlook an outhouse, though. Uh, I don't know. I I don't want to make that assumption. So right. I, that's well, why I'm, I'm bringing it up. But it was up. also, it was uh, on the 27th. Of that year. So it was like two days after he disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it could have been discovered in, the, in said scouring. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure they would leave it in the outhouse, though, because the thing about it is, is even if the police choose not to, to search the outhouse, when they're on in search mode, they still have to go to the bathroom. They still have to use yeah. the outhouse. Yeah, so yeah. it seems like not the best way. Because I've read other accounts that it was actually found in their house and not in their outhouse. That's possible. Again, yeah. you know, accounts for It's hard. Yeah. So, it seems like a better place for a sable. I would be keeping a sable in the outhouse. My, my reason for asking the distance from the white swan to the outhouse is that i i questioned if maybe while going out to check the horses or check the the uh, the shay uh bathurst was sudden suddenly seized by a very 
inconvenient, impressive need to find a place to, I don't to think take it a was, seat. I don't think yeah. it was that close. Okay. That's, no, that it was wasn't my question. like adjacent to the property. Okay. That's why I was asking. It's like, uh, I'm going to take this off and stuff it here because I don't want to be wearing it while no. I'm doing it. I don't okay. think so. That's, no. This is 1809. No. Usually you just crap in the street. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I guess like to alleviate all of these fears, um, Schmidt's mother admitted to have taken the coat. And she worked at also she at the also White Swan, right? Worked at the White Swan. Yeah. As far as I can tell, there were not very many places to work in this town. Yeah. It was the White Swan or the coffee house, and that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, or the or the post house across the across yeah. the road yeah. where the horses were. So the a woman who was employed at the, the coffee house said that after Bathurst had visited her establishment, you remember that she that he visited there to talk to the captain, mm-hmm. that Augustine Schmidt had come in and said, hey, where'd that guy go? Um, and then hastened after him and, quote unquote, she supposed taken some opportunity to destroy him. Or maybe she just wanted to, like, you know, collect on a bill or something. Well, there were... There were hours, there were accounted for hours between when Bathurst disappeared and when, or I'm sorry, when Bathurst left the coffee house and when he disappeared that he's accounted for. Yeah. So it wasn't like swiftly carried out whatever happened to Bathurst. Yeah. So the, the only thing that I want to point out about this whole, there was the skeleton found with the, the, the skull with the fractures on it is this was one of three or four total that were discovered in the town over time. So it's not as if this is the only one. No, no. but it is a nice I mean, it's an indication of the the caliber of this town. Right, and it is a nice convenient little trail of, hey, these people actually worked there, and one of the guys was like, here's suddenly all this money. Right after Bathurst but, disappeared. But that that also makes it completely possible that two years prior, some other f- rich dude flouting his giant wad of cash got clubbed in the back of the head and stuffed under the stairs. Absolutely. Yeah, it could have been anybody. I mean, it could have been. Yeah. And yeah. I, again, this whole this whole stashing murder victims on your own property, I just I still don't get it. I've not said this before. I, I'm a big believer in taking them out to the woods or dropping them in a lake or something like that. I mean, I guess That's I understand it. Yeah. I guess I understand it if you're planning on living there for a really long time and it's like in your house, like under the floorboard. Which is what this... Which yeah. is what this was. Yeah. Um, it was under the still, kitchen. Yeah. It still creeped me out a bit. Oh, yeah. It's still really, really creepy, but it's safer there because you know you're going to be able to control... In 1809, you know you're going to be able to control someone like coming in and pulling up the floorboards in your house. I don't think it's that creepy mm. for for the era. Yeah. If you think about how how common death is, I mean, to us, yeah, like anybody the, dying around yeah. us is weird. But back in that day, people drop like flies all the time. Oh, I got a hangout. Boom, dead. Well, that's that's true. And actually, you know, the people in those in 1809, they hadn't grown up on a steady diet of horror movies. And stuff like that. <laughs> So it wasn't like they were like, and then, read, read, read. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. that's just not normal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's likely that he just kind of got hit over the head and robbed and then, you know, dropped somewhere and that a bunch of people in the town may have been complicit, you know, together. That's a, that's either the amount of stuff that he had on him would have been enough to furnish a, a couple different families in the town, a significant increase in income yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. the only the only thing that that makes me want to lean towards this is the dowry payments 
the the diamond pin is completely untraceable because diamonds can be pulled out of a setting, especially a, a diamond pin. It's not going to be a crazy yeah. big diamond. Yeah. The rest of it is uh, clothing, which disintegrates over time and is yeah. not going to be kept long term as in over multiple generations long term yeah. yeah and it's not as though like uh dummy mcgee over here is going to be like two weeks later hey look at this fancy coat i suddenly found like, actually i've seen around. that on the internet but right but but we're much dumber than those people were that is true because so, <laughs> we a, have a series of tubes yeah. that funnels idiocracy yeah, yeah. oh so, yeah um, but, uh, but yeah actually uh moving the diamond and the sable could have been done just not locally i mean it goes totally. to berlin you know and, yeah. and i'm sure you could which it stuff. turns yeah. out is not that far away not yeah. really no not at all and you know what black markets are a beautiful thing oh yeah it's like also them. not again they don't have like a series of tubes so you know if you do it within a couple of weeks it's not as though people are going to know that weeks, this guy months. has disappeared yeah probably you, even it's months. easy to sit on at that time it's i mean you think about it today we know about a story for weeks or months and then it lingers for years at that time, you could literally sit on the spoils of your heist for a year. Yeah. And no. nobody's going to have any inclination. Well, that's weird. It has BB embroidered in the lapel. Is yeah. that Benjamin Bathurst? Yeah. Uh, so forgotten about it. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's do. To the next set of theories. It's okay. just one theory. Uh, yeah. That was the only one that had a subset. Thank God. Because um, there's a lot of bullets. And this theory is um, French abduction. So this French guy, um, he's a nobleman, and his name was um, Detra, maybe? Detanyon? Oh, wait, that's the wrong no, one. No, that's the wrong one. Yeah. Um, he was an exiled French nobleman at the time. He was later exposed as a double agent. Oh, those double um, agents. Working for Napoleon, like as in like he had been faking being exiled, so he had been like a friend of the um, London, and then uh, <laughs> it turned out, oh, just kidding, Napoleon was actually his friend, and he was like feeding him information like, the whole time. Yeah. yeah, whoops. He told um, Mrs. Bathurst in 1810 that her husband had been um seized in the yard and mm -hmm. spirited away from pearlberg by french cavalry and then incarcerated in a fort fortress yeah at um, magdeburg yeah in yeah and actually a variation of this this theory appeared in a european magazine around the 1810 time so pretty contemporary to his disappearance um, but they added a detail that the troops had just passed by a similar place where Bathurst was and that they had been instructed to go kidnap Bathurst because apparently he was carrying Austrian court papers. I don't know if that's true or not. He did have a considerable amount of unaccounted time Well, that's in his travels. Thinking. Yeah. Local opinion was that the French secret police had been actually chasing Bathurst and that's kind of where his unaccounted for time went. He was trying to shake them. So like there was, um, there was like a, a town that he passed through 25 miles Southeast ish, like on his trip from Berlin to Pearlberg. Mm -hmm. Um, Kirtz. Yeah. That apparently like the French police had kind of 
set their tracker on him at that point and that the reason it took him so long to get from berlin to pearlberg was that he had been like trying to shake them kind of um taking around pattern. patterns things like that apparently he had been um snatched by some people some french police sympathizers that were hiding in a house near pearlberg from it that was a, a french sympathizer yeah yeah so they uh the thing about it is, is um, at, you know, the French actually taking him wouldn't be totally surprising because he no. took t- he took ten days to get from Berlin to Pearlberg. Yeah, which suggests to me he was making a lot of side trips and doing some spying. Yeah, and they might have been like they wanted to find out what he knew, but most most especially they wanted to keep him from getting back to England with, with whatever the, with he the knew. information that he had. Yeah. So that that that's that's the biggest that that is the biggest thing that makes no sense for me with this story. If you look at the the Battle of Wagram, which is the fourth and the fifth of July, mm-hmm. and the accountings always say, and then he was recalled to England. Okay, so let's let's presume that that means somebody sent correspondence to him saying. You need to leave, stupid. Don't just stay there. Let's just pretend that he's staying because he thinks he has to do his duty. That would mean that correspondence saying the Battle of Ogram has happened, say it takes a month to get back to London, and then another month for that correspondence to get back. So that's July, August. This is now September that he's getting his correspondence. That still means that he should have been out of town much earlier than he was. It's um, I so I did the the uh, the Google Earth thing here, and uh-huh. it's five hundred mile, approximately five hundred miles, or eight hundred kilometers from Vienna to Pearlberg. Five hundred and thirteen. Okay, That's so approximate to Pearlberg <laughs> or to Berlin. To Pearlberg. Pearlberg. Yeah. Okay. As the crow flies. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, actually, no, the the one that I pulled, I actually As took this based though, off right? of roads, current yeah. roads, which are actually going to be kind of reflective of paths because of topography, but not perfect. I they'll get be, it. They'll be a lot straighter and more, you know. But less, my, less my, point, my point yeah. here is that I did a couple of different things. I did research on how fast does a carriage travel in a day, mm. and the average carriage could travel about 25 miles per day. So if it's 500 miles, that's 12 or 13 days. No, no, no. That's uh, 20 days. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Should should have taken him about 20 days. To get to Berlin. To get to Pearlberg. Oh. Mm -hmm. So he should have been there. If he was leaving in the beginning of September, he should have been past there long before he ever got there. But then if you also look at contemporary accounts of people's travel times who were traveling back and forth in that area, that trip actually only took about 12 days, give or take. Well, So my giant question is, WTF, what was he doing in the area? Because it seems like he he waited an odd amount of time to leave, and then it took an, an extremely long amount of time for him to make a commute, which others at the time had been making much quicker. Let's, just for a second. Yeah. Um, I want to extrapolate that theory out to, like, modern day, right? I've driven across the country a mm-hmm. couple of times. I've made treks that truckers make in, like, half the time so that I make. The people that I'm taking for the contemporaries were mm-hmm. diplomats of the time. Okay. 
But I don't think that Bathurst was like, I'm going to... I mean, he was wearing like really fancy clothes. Mm -hmm. And he didn't seem like the kind of guy who had a, about any kind of hustle in him. He was going to take his time. To he wasn't going to power through? Yeah. He, but the other thing is he did wait so long that it's totally likely that there were like roadblocks or things that he had to like pause and pull off the street and hide from the armies. I agree with you. It took him way longer to leave and to get places than it should have. And, and he, was, I, he was going through the Federation of the Rhine, which right. is not going to be happy to see an Englishman. Right. Sir. So it's not right. unlikely that he was taking these weird circular routes around to get places. But I agree, especially once we start looking at the fact that it took him somehow 10 days to do 100 miles uh -huh. from Berlin to Pearlberg. Well, that's like, why I'm thinking he made some side trips. And I think he spying, must have. I, I think that yeah. he thought he was the original James Bond and he was pulling some kind of shenanigans. Well, he might well, have he actually might, been, might have been the original James well, Bond. Well, yeah, evidently not because James Bond never gets caught and, <laughs> okay. and dies. Okay. James Bond gets caught and lives yeah. and gets the lady. Yeah. This guy got neither his life nor the lady. So. Right. Well, you don't know well, that. Well, you don't know that. Yeah. Oh, damn you. <laughs> <laughs> he could have disappeared into the sunset with that a beautiful new lady. That our next theory. Uh, well, he ran off to join the Circus. Where was uh, he going to find another lady with his awesome of name? Oh, wait. No, it was his no, sister. Never mind. Yeah. His wife really hit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Never mind. No, I the mean, awesome I, name I totally agree with you. I actually think, despite all odds, that a French abduction is like the most likely of the theories. The secret police, the Napoleon secret police were apparently like just all over the area. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and turncoats. I don't want to say anything negative about people who feel like they have to cast their lot in with who is currently in power, but they are negatively referred to a lot as turncoats. That's the yeah. phrase. But there are a lot of people who said, you know what? I need to survive. I need to make a living. Tell me what to do. Tell me who to look for. I found one. I took care of it. And it, those are the people who are going to do the reporting and may have done the deed. That and they be, are, uh, they're always lumped under the umbrella of, oh, well, that was the secret police. Well, the, yeah. And the, uh, somebody could have ratted him out for a reward too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, what's his name? Uh, the guy that paid off the dowries. I mean, maybe that's where yeah. part of that money came from. That's true. And it, you know, it's also, I guess, not totally unlikely to me that, um, somebody hit the guy over the head, stole his coin purse, and then you know called the secret police that were hiding out at the the sympathizer's house. I mean, it was right across from the post house, which I think was right next to the coffee house, which was right across. Major from, thoroughfare. Yeah, I mean, it's, they were like real close together. So you know, the French police could have been hiding out literally next door to where the horse carriage was being you know drawn, and you just you know slightly bribe the guy who's taking care of the horses to hit the guy over the head. You drag them it's not off. as if Bathurst knows who the staff is, so they no. could have literally posed as stablemen. Right, or the stablemen could have posed as a policeman. Posed, or <laughs> or just like bend the you know hitman for the perpetrator. Him. Yeah, you know, hit him over the head, steal his purse, distribute coin to a couple people who are complicit, and then you know have the police come drag. As I said originally. The thing about this story is that people say, you know, he walked around the other side of the horses and disappeared. And poof, not quite. His like attendant that. didn't know he was missing for a freaking hour. Like that gives so much time for so many things to happen. So for me, I I'm happy to say it was 
the French police. Quite possibly. <laughs> it was that or, you know, the doctor. But just you know, the doctor, yeah, or aliens. But, uh, but no, no, I, because because Napoleon was, uh, he was not in a good mood. I can see him giving orders, uh, shoot to kill orders, essentially. Yeah. Find, if you find a British on our territory, mm-hmm. our newly claimed territory, or newly reclaimed territory, because they keep making these stupid coalitions. And th- again, this is a historical bit. The British had not done him any failures because they were still, they had control over the seas. They had the better Navy and the Brits or the, the, the French had to do everything on land. That was a huge imposition to them. So he had no love for them. So I can see him just be like, if you find a, 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 any British, kill them. I yeah. don't care. Could and and I'll, pay, I'll pay you a fee. Yeah. Could totally. have been, or it could have been they hauled him off to Magdeburg prison and yeah. just interrogated the crap out of him for a while. Totally. And, you know, and, and then denied it all. Yeah. You know, he could their, have their dropped, his Gitmo. dropped his coat and somebody picked it up and that's why they found yeah. it. Yeah. And as far as being killed, you might not. You might have just died in prison of disease. I yeah. mean, because that happened a lot back a in those lot. days. Yeah, a hell of totally. a lot. They might not have intended to keep him forever. They might have just said, "Hey, until the hostilities are done, he's a prisoner of war, and yeah. we're going to let him go." And then, oops, he gets typhus, and dies. Whoops. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. What's the story I'm thinking? Yeah. The the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the one that is so improbable because of the fact that everybody dies in those deplorable conditions. Oh yeah, yeah. it doesn't. It's, most it, people it, aren't going to last that long. No, if and you're so lucky the, and you've got a strong immune system, you know, maybe you could hold out for a long time. But but three quarters of them didn't. No, and a lot so that's it, why it could be that he he just he died that way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's entirely possible. Yeah, I mean, actually, people outside of prisons in much healthier conditions with better diets died a lot too. So yeah, yeah totally. entirely possible. Yeah. So um, there's so many ways he could have died because it was 1809 and people died like flies in those days. Yeah, I mean, I am a I think French abduction is the most likely. What do you guys think? Oh, God, I'm having a hard time making up my mind. Um, he was a high value target in that way, but then again, for a robber or bandit, he was a high value target too. There's just I like, mean, this yeah, guy I guess had a target like a painted on his back. Yeah. yeah, it really does. I mean, I, I can just is uh, the descriptions of him being such a a worry wart and, and so nervous. I could almost see this being a situation where he did himself in. And by that, I mean, nobody else was around. He freaked out. He dropped his jacket. He ran into the woods. He suffers hypothermia because it is November in, in the, in that area. And he keels over and the animals eat him. And somebody finds his pants later. Like, is that it? No, but it's just like, that might as well be brought in because there's just there's many possibilities. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that Napoleon's a- agents got him. Yeah, but seems most likely. Although the, the possibility because he's dressed so nicely and all, got all this expensive stuff, the mm-hmm. watch, the coins, the diamond. It seems like robbery, murder is also, you know, very yeah. highly possible. Yeah. I don't know. I Who think no matter what, it wasn't some weird disappearance. I think that... No aliens. It's not UFOs. Yeah. No, but no I, UFOs. I, I think it's really important that, like, the record show that Thinking Sideways thinks there was an hour <laughs> <laughs> that a lot of stuff could have happened to him. And there's a lot of unaccounted time from his time between Berlin and Pearl Berg. 
Yep. I think those are two really important points to bring mm-hmm. up when yeah. we talk about this story, that it may not actually be as fantastical and nefarious as everybody thinks. Oh, I don't think this is nearly as fantastic as it is made out in the three-paragraph post. Yeah, agreed. That, that's the problem, is that this is put up in so many places in such an abbreviated form. Oh, I know. And he stepped around the, he stepped around the nose of the horses, and he was gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. No. It didn't, didn't happen like that. It didn't. No. Um, yeah, so if you um, want to see some of our links, especially that um, whole amazing book by Trifinia Thistlethwistle. Uh, that's Is how it Trifinia Trifinia Thistlethwistle? Yeah, yeah. So that's like that. probably the right way. Yeah. She's from Gryffindor. I like Trifinia yeah. Thistlewhistle better, but um, if you want to see that or any of our other links to research, you can find that information as well as um, stream the show on our website the website is thinking sideways um you can obviously listen to us there i think you can download from the website you can yep. still download from the website yep. um it's but in the player it's pretty likely that you are not doing that you're probably listening to us on itunes um if you're doing that go ahead and give us a subscribe and rate and review if you haven't already that's how other people find us you can download and stream from pretty much every server, um, including Google Play, um, which is, again, where I found that book. So, like, great resource. Like, Yay, overall, Google. Yeah, I like Google it. taking over the world, and we're yeah. happy about it, which is great. We're happy about it now. <laughs> I'm happy about it Thank forever. Thank you for Google overlords. Yes. Um, All so, praise the Google. If your service mm. allows rating and reviews, please go ahead and do that as well as subscribe. Um, again, that's how other people who use the same service that you use will find us. Um, if you don't do that, nobody will ever know about us. And then Ooh, we'll have to so stop sad. doing it someday. Ah. Yeah. Um, you can find us on social media. We've got a Facebook group and page. The group is public. The page is public. Um, you so can, you have to request access. Yeah. So like the page, join the group. There's some really great, interesting discussions that happen there almost every day. Actually, more than almost every day. Like every day. A bunch of times every day. Absolutely. Um, you can tweet at us at Thinkin Sideways. Um, don't. Please don't try to start a conversation with me there, though, because like 140 characters is not enough. <laughs> well, for, especially for not. really serious conversations, yeah. if you have one little remark to make, it's great. That's but, great. You know. Yeah, it's good I, for the one-off comments, but nothing um, is better than the 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 comment followed by the response of "Please email at but blah blah mm-hmm. blah." Please respond at blah 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 blah. Okay, I give up. Yeah. No. So yeah. Um, you can tweet at us. We you can also follow us. Um, got a good amount of followers so yeah. far. I'm I'm pretty happy with the fact that I can. Just just tweet stupid memes all the time and people are like loving that. So that's great. You can also find us on Reddit. We've got our own subreddit. We're thinking sideways, um, our thinking sideways. Um, and there's some interesting discussion that happens there as well. You can email us with any kind of feedback, suggestions, general accolades. We're thinking sideways podcast at gmail.com. You can support the show in a number of ways. If you would like, um, you can buy merch, which is shirts, mugs, stickers, blah, 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 nightlights even. Um, we've got Zazzle and Redbubble. Those, um, there's links on our website for those. Um, you can do a one-time donation on pay- PayPal. You can set up a recurring donation, but as somebody who has a recurring donation on PayPal, it's not the best way to do it. Um, if you want to do a recurring donation, you can do that on Patreon. That's P A T E O 
And you missed an R. Yeah. <laughs> P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. You are right. Um, and it's patreon.com slash thinking sideways and you pledge a certain amount. It's like a pledge per lap. Each episode is a lap. So you pledge a certain amount per episode and then you, um, you know, just pay at the end of the month. And that's been really helpful in supporting our show. Right, thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks. Indeed. Uh, all of that having been said, um, I think I'm going to go ahead and chase on out of here. Uh, you go ahead, Steve. I'm still thinking. Oh, I'm disappeared. Wow. Well, yeah. I do.